You're listening to Limitless Leaders Podcast. Accelerate your mindset, collaboration and performance by developing limitless self-leadership, leaders, teams and organizations. Now, over to your host, Renee Jerusso. Hi, this is Renee and I'm really looking forward to sharing with you my interview with Maria Palazzolo, CEO from GS1 Australia. Because our conversation and the information Maria shared was so valuable, the interview went for over an hour. Because of this, we've decided that we'll share the first half of the interview in this episode and the second half of the conversation will go live in the next few weeks. I hope you find this interview as valuable as I did. There's some golden nuggets and just so much experience and authenticity that comes through in this interview from Maria. Now on to the show. Hi, and welcome to the Limitless Leaders podcast. My name's Renee Jerusso, and I'm really looking forward to delving in and discussing all things leadership, communication, and accelerating your mindset. Over the last 12 years, I've had the privilege of having really deep exposure to some amazing organizations, leaders, and teams. And my intention with many of these podcasts is to discuss and delve into what really goes on behind the scenes with prominent leaders, businesses, and entrepreneurs. Today, I'm super excited to have Maria Palazzolo, who is the Executive Director and CEO of GS1 Australia. Through her 35-year career with GS1, she's led and shaped industry initiatives across Australia and has been a CEO for just over 17 years. She's positioned GS1 as a change agent in what is a highly dynamic field in the Australian e-commerce landscape. By growing memberships of over 20,000 companies, spanning services, innovative approaches and customer focus, GS1 Australia has become a partner of choice for many Australian organisations. Maria's strength really lies in her passion, knowledge, business acumen and unshapeable belief that the future of GS1 is bounded only by its creativity. Welcome, Maria. Thanks for being here today. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. So really, really super excited to hear about your journey um, to success. And speaking of journeys, I'd love to ask you, do you think that the journey is as important or more important than the destination? Well, in my opinion, I think that the journey is more important than the destination because during the journey, uh, there's so many learnings um, and you don't always know where the destination is taking you. That's true. So um, sometimes you, you've got a goal and a vision of mm. where you're going, but um, certainly in my case, I never had that. I, yep. I never imagined that one day I would be a CEO of an organisation that wasn't ever a plan. Life sort of just happens to you sometimes. You it don't does. necessarily plan it. Yeah, and, and what do you think has sort of held you instead over the years? I think passion for what you do is really important. Mm. If you have the passion and you love what you do, you hang in there regardless of the difficulties and the challenges. You don't give up because you, you know that you can fix what's not going right. I think that's really important. I think perseverance as well, making sure that you're steadfast in the way that you approach situations in a business is very important. 
I know from my staff's uh, point of view, one of the things that I always get told they appreciate is consistency. Being consistent in the way that you deal with situations, the fact that you know you can be a little bit predictable at times is mm. a good thing for them as yeah. opposed to coming into the office every day not knowing what they're going to be exposed to yeah. or whether you're going to be in a good mood or a bad mm. mood. I think that that's some a stability. really bad environment. Yes, yes. And, and some re- reliability and yeah. I guess stability which exactly. is really important. Yeah. I love that and what you said about perseverance and you know, I guess it's courage and being resilient. Mm-hmm. And I'm a big believer that if you if you really passionately love what you do, it does it doesn't sounds a bit cliche, but it doesn't feel like work. Exactly. What what's kept you going? I think it's what I you know what I said before that um, I've just always loved what I've done from the mm-hmm. very beginning when I started in this organisation, when you know there was only a couple of people in the organisation and. I was introduced to the technology of barcoding from the very beginning when we, you know, we didn't even have any scan stores in Australia. Um, barcodes were a complete unknown technology. Mm. I'd never heard of a barcode. I'd never seen a barcode. From that point onwards, I think it was the curiosity and the little bit of finding out more about the unknown. I got the GS1 injection in my blood the very early stage yeah, um, yeah. and and the, the love and the passion for what I do grew from that and it's also you know watching things evolve as well it has mm. been quite amazing so what, watching the spread oh. and the use of the technology in the Australian marketplace and the everyday opportunities that uh, that we get here of watching how companies make themselves better at what yeah. they do by what we give them yes I think that that's a, a, a huge reason for, for people to come here every day if you mm. ask the staff here they will tell you that because they make such a difference yeah. to, uh, to Australian businesses yep. it gives them a sense of purpose yes and and what we do is all about that and we're a not-for-profit organization which means that what we do is really for the greater good mm. rather than for personal gain of any type yeah and it's so it's so important and it's and like you said i mean run us through a little bit about for those that may not be familiar with with gs1 and and i guess you know you've got over twenty thousand members and growing 170 staff just in the, in the melbourne office what some of the industries are and well of course as i said the the very humble beginnings were about (laughs) Mm. a barcode being put onto a product so that uh, Mm. supermarkets could actually scan it at point of sale so that that's where it all started um and of course today there isn't Mm. a supermarket or retail store or or, you know a warehouse or in fact you know a hospital or any environment um Mm. that anyone walks into you can see barcodes being scanned think of a time when that actually wasn't the case mm, uh, because there was, there was actually a time when that was the case you know barcodes just didn't exist at all in, in these environments but now they can't do business without them mm. so you know the introduction of that as a technology uh, had, had its challenges in the uh, in the early yeah, days yeah. Uh, and it took quite a long time in fact it's taken 40 years for us to get to where we are um, and that's required 40 years of uh, a lot of commitment by a lot of people to, yeah. to keep driving the use mm. um, of the technology, not for technology's sake, but for the for the fact that it actually benefits. It's the evolution, uh, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. It the, benefits and companies and, uh, and makes them a lot mm. more efficient at, at, at certainly what they do. So when I started with the organisation, it was uh, an unknown technology and also a lot of challenges with government because yes. government did not want the code <laughs> to be introduced. 
would have um, been so foreign back then. Yeah, it yeah. was completely foreign and actually seen as, uh, as some kind of way in which the retailers were trying to somehow steal from, mm. from consumers. Or It was a silly situation now when you look back, but back then it was very, very serious and yeah. the government was, uh, was very close to actually legislating that barcodes were going to be illegal. Wow. So you couldn't actually put a barcode on the product, they were going to make it illegal. And, and so 40 years on, you think, how could that be possible? But it actually was. And, and they even had research done to, uh, to prove that the technology was a health hazard to the uh, checkout operators. <laughs> so, so there was all sorts of things that went all on. All the red then. tape. So, again, they sound like silly challenges today, but uh, 40 years ago, they, they were very serious oh. challenges. And we had to get over those hurdles just to get the whole thing started in, wow. in Australia. So, and there yeah. wouldn't have been many of you in the business then either. So you... No, there was only two or three people. Um, <laughs> and amazing. Uh, yeah. When I started, I said I'd never even heard of what a barcode no. was. So, so. Now you can't imagine, like without them, because of traceability, safety, all well, those different well, things. Well, exactly. You know, product safety now is becoming such a big thing. And, mm. and you know we get a really big kick of the fact that not only can we help companies in their supply chains and make them better what they do, but um, when you have a look at what we've done in healthcare, that's where the real rewards are. Yeah. Because yeah. You, you think about we've actually introduced something that stops errors mm. in the administration of medication to patients, which means that along the way we've actually reduced lives being lost by you know the wrong medication or the wrong procedures or all sorts of misadventures that happen every mm. day. They're not always known, but they no. happen every day in the hospital environment. So, so important and such an amazing impact to people's mm. lives that a lot of people just wouldn't realise that. You know, I, I've, I've done work obviously in here for nearly six years now and I, I have to say a word that you said that really sort of resonated and stood out for me was the word commitment mm -hmm. and the tenure of people in role in this business I, is unshakable. I, I've worked across 24 industries and I've never come across an organisation that has such strong commitment mm. and we, we'll go into that a bit mm. later. So I'd love to ask you because you're, you're so strongly committed and dedicated and put so much of your life into, into the GS1 business, what hurdles have you personally faced and I guess how, how did you overcome them? Well, it's a very interesting question because I could sort of break that up into hurdles in the business and hurdles mm. at a personal level, but of course, at the end of the day, you're just one person, so all those things roll yeah. up into, into one. So at, at a personal level, I guess it's um, it was always the challenge of, of you know being a good mum yeah. and being there for your children, particularly in the earlier years, they're so young, and then trying to hold down a job that was very challenging from the very beginning, as I said earlier, just not really knowing what I'd got myself into. Trying to be the best at everything that you do is a really difficult challenge yeah. um, and, and something has to give at yes. some point in time. And being a daughter from an Italian family and the only daughter in an Italian mm -hmm. family, I've always had the additional responsibility of being there for my parents as well. Yeah, yeah. So there was all, all this juggling that went on for a very long time in trying to you know, be the good daughter, the good mum, and also try to hold down mm -hmm. a, yeah. a job that I found very, very challenging. So I guess that was the biggest challenge yeah. that I've had to get over. And, and at some point in time, be mm -hmm. okay with the fact that I couldn't be perfect at everything. Yes. Um, yes. And if something had to mm -hmm. give, uh, I, I needed to be okay with that. But it took mm -hmm. a very long time 
I think as a female and as a mother, you have this sense of guilt. Yeah. Of, you know, for many, many reasons, you, you sort of, I think that the minute that you start to work and you have children, you just live with guilt that says, you know, you're not there, you can't go on the excursion with them, school holidays, you can't There's be with the them. There's all the sacrifices. There's all, yeah. 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 And, 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 that, and that was a very difficult thing to do because mm. you do want to be the best mum and you do, of course, want to do the best in your job. Mm. And be a wife as well. Oh yeah, I forgot, I forgot that, that piece. One. Yes, <laughs> that yeah. comes with it. I think so. that that uh, <laughs> yeah, that always it, it tends to be the one that I forget. But but the other biggest challenge in my career that I faced and did so from the very beginning was the fact that I was a female yeah. without a university degree and really building a career without realizing that I was building a career. Career, it's um, like an unconscious. Yeah. It was very very journey, very almost. unconscious. Yeah, and I had a PA that once said to me. You know, you're like a, a reluctant executive. This career sort of happened mm. to you. I've never called for it. I've, mm. I've never aspired to it. I've never conducted myself in any way that anyone could ever say, oh, you know, you were stepping over people in order no. to get a job. It yeah. was always about just really loving what I was doing. And being present you know? in the moment and not just trying to, the old saying, climb the corporate ladder yeah. and not focus on the now. No, and I, I've, I've never climbed a corporate mm. ladder. I've, I've never yeah. aspired to. And, of course, that in itself today, I would give a different piece of advice to females yes. in the corporate world yeah. because I don't think I did myself any justice by not having those aspirations and not thinking a level of confidence yeah. that said... I can do this. Yes. It was one of the problems, I guess, that I had to face for myself. It was my own self-confidence mm. and doubting that I mm. could actually do the job. And why did I doubt that I could do the job? And I'm talking not about the CEO job. I'm talking about all the steps all in between. All the roles you right? had, yeah. yeah. It was always about the fact that people around me constantly would say what a great job I was doing and they were mm. pleased with this and pleased with that but then when it came to promotions or when it came to recognizing that mm. you always got put to the side because it was always the males yeah. even though they may not have had the qualifications or the experience or anything else mm. it was simply because I was a female yeah. and, and that became very clear yeah. when the CEO role for this uh, organization became available and, and I was simply told that um, yeah because I was a female I probably would be considered for Isn't that amazing the whole gender thing you know it's it's still going on it's getting better slightly so what happened then it's a very complicated story but um and i won't go into all of it but it's fair to say that i didn't have the support of mm. the of the people that were going to put up the nomination for, yeah. for candidates for the role i didn't have that support mm. and i was incredibly fortunate that the decision was left to the board and the board knew me not so much from a day-to-day operations perspective, but they knew me from the results that I had achieved mm. and the reputation that my working with organisations in Australia was, was well known. And through that, mm. the board decided to not go with the recommendation put to them mm. uh, and instead uh, appointed me to be the CEO. It's just amazing. And it is amazing because I, I And well-deserved. Well, thank you for that. But I had actually said, well, I'm not going to even be an applicant for mm. it because wow. uh, the whole process was very distasteful to yeah. me. And, and, and Puts I, you off. I, I refu- well, I refused to be a part of what clearly was 
was a very intentional mm. attempt to not include me. Yeah. So, um, wow. But that action uh, was, was then deemed to be, you know, a ploy. Yes, <laughs> uh, yeah. Which, of course, it wasn't, but, no. but that's how it was deemed to be. So, but, you know, the rest is history. I've been yeah. the CEO for 17 years. I guess I've proven that the organisation in the last 17 years has grown multiple folds. Yes. Clearly, I've done an okay job, but not for one minute uh, mm. will I ever take credit for the fact that the organisation is as successful as it is because of my role, because it's all about the people it's, in this organisation. And that's, and that's right. So, And that's, it's such an amazing story, and I think it really does reinforce the fact that you need to be networked internally. And I've been doing a lot of work, Maria, especially recently on a, a new sort of concept I've got called cross-leadership. So leading your direct reports, leading your peers, mm-hmm. and also leading upwards mm-hmm. to your division and obviously other yeah. divisions in the business. What made me think of that with you is around the support from the board. Mm-hmm. If you hadn't had that exposure, right. how different things could be. Yeah. So I think it's it really does reinforce the fact that, you know, don't just hang out and chat with people you get along with in the business. Make sure you're connecting to people in other divisions yeah. and having that high strategic agility, yeah. not just to share your great knowledge, but to be known and to build your yeah. brand profile within the business. Also managing up. Up, yeah, yeah, that's um, a big one. You know, ma- managing up is, is something that I, mm-hmm. I honestly never really gave much thought Good. to. But certainly as a CEO, as this position calls for, you do need to make oh. sure that you manage not, not just your chairman um, and, and the board, but also the CEOs in That's other right. organisations. You need, you need to create those relationships so uh, all the time. Yeah. But within the organisation, everybody knows that my door is always open Mm. Um, that's a good thing most of the time. Sometimes it's not such a good thing, yeah, but yeah. Um, everybody knows that they are able to walk in and have a mm. discussion uh, with me about anything. It's just amazing. Because I, I refuse to let the fact that I have a, a title as a yeah. CEO mean that I'm any different to anybody that's else right. that works in the organisation. But also I've been blessed. I mean, yeah. truly, truly blessed with the most amazing team of people. Yeah. Um, and, you know, full credit really needs to go to each and every one of them. As you said earlier, the tenure here is quite amazing. Oh, it is. Um, lots of people here have been here 20, 25 years. Mm. Um, and which says some, which, which does say something yeah. around, around the culture. And I think I love what you said then about other organisations because so many people, even that I come across in senior leadership positions, they're very well networked in their industry, but not outside of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important to learn, share best practice, and, and also realise that you have a lot of common challenges, yeah. which I think is, you know, amazing. I love something um, that you, you've said before around, you know, humility is always an important quality to carry with mm-hmm. you. You know, and like you just said, just because you're a CEO or you've achieved a certain level of management status, it doesn't mean that you're different or mm-hmm. special. You just happen to have a job with more responsibility. And I think using that out of respect and loyalty in the right way and, and this culture in here, and culture I think at the moment is a bit of an overused word. It's culture this, culture that. I ask people what culture is and most no people... Really it's shared values and beliefs as a community. Mm. And that's definitely across GS1. And as big as it is, there's still that family feel mm-hmm. and... You know, which is fantastic. 
just on that, we have a lot of you know new staff that start, and and um, every every so often we collect all the new staff, and I I have a, a morning tea with them. That comment you just made is something that I make sure that they leave with at the end of the morning tea. Mm. I like to have a chat and let mm. them or give them the opportunity to ask me, you know, anything they want to ask me and, um, and and give them a bit of a spill around, you know, really what my feelings are about expectations yeah. and the organisation. So, but I always make sure that they leave knowing that, you know, the CEO job is, mm. is a title with a lot mm. more responsibility, I guess, than they, they probably yeah. have in the organisation. Yeah. But that's it. That's where the difference stops. Stops. Um, Love and, that. And there is no difference beyond that. You know, we're, we're all human beings mm. and we all need and deserve to respect mm. each other. And people need to know that. And I try I try to conduct myself with as much of that as possible. Yeah. Um, and the days yeah. when I could walk around and actually, you know, know everybody's <laughs> children's names and what they were doing on the weekend and all of that, because I did that for mm. many years. Now there's too many of us and I, yeah. I can't do that. And I actually miss it because it means I don't know people as well as I'd like to know. But one of the feedbacks I get from all of that is that people have come from other organisations where their bosses sometimes or their managers have never even known their first name or they've they've just been a number on a payslip or something that that there was no personalisation. No. around the way that they were treated. And no deep connection. Well, yeah, obviously that wouldn't be there. No. But they see that immediately when they come here. Mm. Um, and, and and that, I think, starts the foundations yeah. of, of people being quite committed to the roles that they have. Yeah. And it is, and, you know, it really, and I've said it to a few people in the business here, it, it, it is very unique. Really? Very mm. unique. At the moment, I'm in about 26 companies and I could name two others might have a touch of it. Mm. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's, there's some companies where, you know, someone will say, oh, my boss is going to speak to the CEO when they can. They've never spoken to the CEO. The door's mm. shut. This is a very inclusive environment, mm. which I love. Mm. And I, I guess I'd love to ask you, you know, too, I know collaboration internally and externally mm. with your members is a huge part of, I guess, the success of GS1. What, what does collaboration mean to you mm. and, I guess, in the culture within GS1 Australia? Yeah, so internally collaboration is very, very important because obviously we have many different departments in the mm. organisation and it's actually quite a challenge to ensure that they don't behave like they're in a silo yeah, um, yeah. where they don't talk to other departments or, mm. more importantly, that the way that they go out and talk to industry isn't different to the way the other parts of the business do. So that there has to be a collaboration mm. around the level of knowledge that they have and, yeah. and that they obviously uh, pass on to you know, the conversations mm. that we have with industry. So that has to happen and, and the way that we're structured, I hope, certainly invites people to you know, almost ensure that there's yeah. a level of collaboration yeah. and a crossover in all the, in all the different areas mm. so that the conversation is one, it's not yeah. disjointed amongst all, all, right. all the different areas. So internally, that's how we, we operate. We have a senior leadership team and, and we mm. meet every second week and in those meetings, it's all about sharing. Well, what you know, what are the challenges that the different parts of the business yeah. are having? You know, how can we help with that? What can we do? It is very much about open communication. Yeah. And, and for me, collaboration is all about oh. communication. So I yeah. think that's 
really important. Externally, we are known as the neutral facilitator. Okay, yeah. So if you want some very key decisions that need to be made, but you can't do that on your own, you have to bring together the suppliers, the retailers, the transport companies, whoever you're talking mm. to um, within your whole supply yeah. chain, we go in and we actually encourage that collaboration and yeah. we facilitate that. Which is amazing. Um, which is really one of the key roles that it we is. have because yeah. you don't need to worry about us being a part of those conversations even though we, we stay out of competitive subjects mm. but you don't have to be concerned about us being in that space because we're all about coming to a, a single conclusion that means that everybody's decided win, yeah. to do the same thing in the same way because yeah. that's going to benefit everybody. Everybody. So it's a win-win so for a everybody. Huge, you know, collaboration yeah. is huge for us. Oh, and it's massive. And what you said about communication, I think, you know, I've always said this, communication really is leadership, Yeah. And any business that's collaborative and successful has deep cut through communication that's consistent, clear and, and timely. And I do see a lot of great best practice going across GS1 mm -hmm. where teams are doing their lunch and learns. Yeah. Um, they've got, you know, managers almost facilitating these, these things in mm -hmm. other divisions. Mm -hmm. I think it's important in here too and in any business because you've got, it's highly a technical data business. So you've got people that are technically brilliant, then you've got the salespeople that are mm -hmm. all about relationships. And I think mm -hmm. busting down those barriers, so to speak, mm -hmm. or those silos is, is part of the success. Mm -hmm. You know, in, in today's corporate landscape, obviously we've got less people doing more, I think, mm -hmm. than we did years ago. There's uncertainty, there's the multi-generational challenges, there's technology and so much to juggle. Mm. I'd love your thoughts on what you believe the biggest challenges are facing businesses in general from what you see because you see so much. Yeah, I think the biggest challenges from, from what we see and we work with you know over 20 different sectors so yeah. it's not just retail no, and, uh, it's it's, and all healthcare that I've already mentioned but you know it's many, many other sectors mm. as well. So, and, and we see this across the board. It's, you know, it's the emerging technologies and also the um, importance of data uh, yeah. in the future. So, and knowing what to do with all of that. That's so the, right. So the technologies are there. People are becoming, you know, much more comfortable yeah. with technology. And if you're not comfortable, you should be comfortable yeah. with it. It's not a scary thing. It's actually been designed to help you. But it also brings with it a whole bunch of things that you have to really think about. You know, technology allows you to do things faster and quicker and in, in a more automated kind of way, but the result of all of that usually means that things have to change. That's right. And if things <laughs> have to change, then you need to bring everybody along that journey yes, with you. spot on. Without it being a threat, because it shouldn't be threatening. No. It should actually be, it's going to be great for you. It's going to make your job easier. Yeah. I remember when we were trying to introduce scanning into stores and when we were trying to introduce scanning at warehouses mm. and we were met with a lot of resistance because the warehouse people were very threatened by the technology and they would tell us we're going to lose our jobs we, you know you're going to get rid fear. of us mm. and I always used to say no mm. not at all because someone still has to hold the scanner yes okay someone still has to hold the scanner so instead of you holding a piece of paper and a pen yeah. you're going to hold a scanner that's going to go you know zap and in doing that, suddenly all of the paperwork that went along with having to 
and mm. transcribe all of that yeah. data is gone and it's it's going to be in a system where you mm. can you know look at it and you can you know you still need people to do lots that's of right. things that technology just provides for you in yeah. an easier fashion so you know that's the first thing so not you know let's not fear the technology that's out there that and getting people to buy into the change you have to people only change if there's something in it for them and we're the same and i think sometimes a lot of senior leaders i don't know if you agree with this but will work on a project or a change for a bit of time and then when they share it with their team it's new to the team Mm. but it's been in their heads because they've been working on it so the team would get shocked about it. Mm. You know, human behaviour, we don't naturally like change. No, that's right. right. We mm. fear change. Mm. It's the unknown, it's the uncertainty, and certainty is a human need. I think it's the leaders or the change agents that share the why and involve people on the journey. Yes. So you've got a few advocates when you're sharing yeah. it yeah. will actually make it a lot more seamless. The buy-in will be yeah. deeper. Yeah. I, think, I, I think that's, you know, a, an obvious thing to mm. make sure that you're having the, the continuous mm. conversations yeah. with people along the way. I always say, please, no surprises, guys. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I, I don't want to suddenly find something that, um, you know, that I knew nothing about and, and I apply the same level of respect to them. I don't mm. want them to be surprised by anything that I might be thinking. No. In fact, people will tell you that most of the things that I think about, I do with them. Yeah, you know, ma- Mainly the senior leadership team. Yeah. You know, I'll have somebody in here all the time mm. and, and we share conversations and if I'm thinking something, they'll know exactly what I'm that's thinking. That's right. And that's really, really important. Adaptability yes. is, is, is yeah. the one thing that I have to say that, that with technology, the way it's growing out there, you know, we're mm. having to adapt to all sorts of different things. Consumers are changing their habits are changing, yeah. what they want, how they There's want it, so when they much. want it. All these things are all at the moment in flux. Everything yeah. is changing so quickly. Yeah. That means that the whole landscape has to change around mm. that as well. Uh, and bi- the mindset. Yeah, and businesses have to adapt to yeah. those changes. So, you know, creating a business that's constantly evolving to adapt to its landscape, I think, has to be one of the secrets of remaining sustainable. Yeah through all these great changes that yeah. are happening. I agree. I, I recently watched, I don't know if you've seen, Brene Brown's Call to Courage on Netflix. Highly recommend yeah. it. And one of the, I've got pages and pages of quotes about you know being courageous and all these things, but one thing she said is, if businesses aren't failing, they aren't innovating. Mm. And I love that yeah. because you've got to take that risk to be yeah, innovative. You, you know, do. And it's a big part of it. Yeah. And... And like you said, keeping up, even technology, you know yourself, you know, 89% of companies by the end of next year will be using video to market their message Mm -hmm. because people are time poor. And it's something like six out of 10 executives will will watch a video over reading text Mm. now. So there's these sorts of things and you can fight it and fear it. Well, you can love yeah. it and embrace it. Yeah. And I always yeah. say embrace the unknown because yeah. that's where the gift is. Exactly. And, and, and I think of the, the risks that this business has taken sometimes where it's been a little bit courageous to take those mm. risks because the chances were that maybe wasn't necessarily the right decision to make. Yeah. And yes, we've had failures and, and I own up to those and say, well, mm. I was ultimately responsible for making that decision and, and I take responsibility for that. And it didn't work out, and we, you know, what did we do? Yep. Well, we learned 
a lot from that. We yeah. learned all sorts of things from it that hopefully we have applied um, mm. when other decisions needed to be mm. made. And that's been an important you know, learning curve for all of us. Yeah. yeah. But does it stop us from taking those courageous steps mm. and, and taking the risk? The important thing is when you when you do that is to know, you know, when, when to stop. It's to know yeah. when to say... Have some boundaries. Yeah, well, you know, it's not working out, so we need to bail out of this one because mm. it, it doesn't make any sense yeah. to continue. Sometimes, you know, you're sitting behind a decision that you've made and you can, yeah. you know, you can be a little bit egotistical about saying... Well, I made that call. I've got to make this work. Or I've done that much work on it. We've got to keep going. Yeah, or you've not... invested so yeah. much into it that you yeah. say, you know, we've just got to keep going. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's also brave to bow out of stuff yes. as it is brave to, to make it, the decision. So you've got, to, you've got to know when to say, okay, we're going to stop this. Yeah. It was a good decision. It's actually now we realise yeah. it wasn't such a good decision and, and we've got to move on. And again, that comes back to boundaries and communication, knowing... What does success look like? And if not, let's change trajectory to make sure yeah, we're going the right, right way. You've been listening to Limitless Leaders Podcast. Leading from the inside out to develop limitless self-leadership. Leaders, teams and organisations. To find out how you can accelerate your mindset, your communication, collaboration and connection to become a limitless leader, sign up for our Limitless Leaders Podcast Series at www.renegerusso.com forward slash podcast series. That's renegerusso.com forward slash podcast series. 